Hi everyone, welcome to The Diagram. It's your friendly neighborhood relationship coach, Jason. Today we're talking about consent. This is gonna go through a few key concepts about consent that I think we all, as adults, should understand. And I'll go from there. The first big one is that silence is not consent. You wanting to do something with someone who trusts you and them being silent about it does not mean they agree to it. You need to actually get confirmation from that person that they are willing to go ahead with the thing that you want to do. You need to ask for consent, not just for physical things or sexual things. I know we talk about consent most often in the realm of sexual consent, but this is something that goes deeper than that. You need consent for anything that involves the resources of another person who's an adult or even a child, to be honest, at certain stages of life. So it means that you actually need the permission of people. Otherwise, you are being entitled or having expectations of other people that you haven't confirmed. And it really destroys the trust in relationships. People feel like they're being taken for granted. People feel like they're being taken advantage of when you use the resources of other people without their consent. And yes, sexually, you will damage the trust of your relationship, even with your partner, if you don't actually have their consent. If you, we'll go right to sex. If you want to have sex with your partner and everything in their body language tells you that they really don't want to and you force issues with them, this is something that you're both supposed to share together that is supposed to be intimate and build trust with you and be a very special moment. And if you don't actually have their consent, the worst thing you can do is yes, you get to have some fun, you get to have climax, but your partner feels betrayed because you are taking what you want from them instead of being in a place of consent with them. You still need to ask for consent again the next time. You need to get consent the next time. Nobody owes you anything. So there's the obvious example we just talked about with sex, but there's other examples with money. If you go out with a friend and they paid for food the last five times you went out and this time you assume they're going to pay, they may not have the money this time. So you assuming that they're always going to get the bill is something that can come off the wrong way. It doesn't mean you need to be fake about it, um, but you can have conversations as adults about what's going to happen this time versus last time. It comes across in how we ask for things also, because if we have had the use of other people's resources before, and this time we come to them and we tell them what we're doing with their resources instead of asking, that can come across as entitled. It's the no-no in relationships and it really grinds people's gears. So for example, in a friendship, if somebody has let you use their car and then you come to them the next time and say, hey, I need to use the car on Friday. It's not the car, it's their car. Or I need you to help me with your truck this Saturday. You're not asking them at this point, you're telling them. You need to ask the person for consent. And with sex, obviously, just because your partner didn't act last time doesn't mean they feel comfortable this time doing it again. Asking isn't always uh, a direct question, like would you do X, Y, and Z act? 
you can tell by motions if you're paying attention to your partner, if they're really not feeling it today, and you can have conversations about it, about why they weren't feeling like doing something or where they were mentally. It's actually important for couples to have conversations about sex outside of the moment of having sex. There's a lot of research that shows that couples who actually talk about their sex life together enjoy sex more and have a better sex life. So if you need an excuse to talk to your partner about sex, there's your excuse. It will improve likely the ratio, meaning the amount of times you have sex, and it will also improve the enjoyment. Those two things seem to go hand in hand. Um, if the ratio of consent to denial bothers you, you need to speak to your partner, family member, or whoever you are having this consent issue with. What do I mean by that? The thing that comes up with couples that I work with sometimes is, well, I always initiate and they never initiate. So, and then I'm the one who has to deal with the rejection when they say no. This is a valid issue. And you need to talk to the other person where if it's something mutual, like sex, why only one person is the person to be initiating it most of the time. You need things that work in your relationship. Every relationship is different. There is no standard of how you approach issues like this. So you and your partner need to be able to come to a place where you understand each other and how you're going to ask for consent for sexual activities or other activities. And from the other perspective with friendship and that kind of thing, hey, can I come over this Friday? If you're the person who's always trying to come over to somebody's house and they only say yes every now and then, you can also ask the question about why they, why you never invite them over, things like that. But there's typically a reason why the ratio is off and it's good to have conversations. As I say, lead with curiosity. In a trust-based relationship, curiosity should not be punished. And there's, there's no magic to getting consent. Your expectations are the reason for your disappointment is something you may have heard. So that doesn't mean you're being unreasonable. Let me give you an example. So when you say, take dating, for example, dating, and I'm not talking about dating your partner in this instance, I'm talking about dating that I'll call prospecting, which is when we go out with people for the purpose of finding a partner. There is no rule that says that, well, I took them on an expensive date, therefore they owe me a kiss. Or we've been on five dates, so it's about time that they hold my hand. There is no rule like that. There's no rule that says, well, because I had sex with them, now they should be in a long-term relationship with me. There is, all of these things require consent from the other person and there's, you're not putting coins into the consent bank that eventually pay off. If you expect that by doing A, B, C, that you are going to get somebody to give you consent to either do things with them physically or to have a certain kind of relationship with them or to use their resources, that is you trying to be manipulative. And you need to check yourself because consent does not work that way. Consent is based on trust. It's based on the person A clearly knowing what they want and having communication. Communication is not always verbal about what they want with the other person. 
and the other person being clear in their communication that they're okay with what person A wants or that they want the same thing. That is consent in a nutshell. So in the sense where you're talking about partners, I get it. People say, well, me and my partner don't always talk before we have sex. I get it. You've been together for a long time. You may not talk before you have sex, but you can certainly see and hear the clues that your partner might not be in the mood or might want to do something else. And it's not something that they always have to give. They don't always have to give you your consent. I hope these tips on consent helps you in your relationships. It's very important. You don't want to destroy the trust in your relationship by doing things without people's consent. Take care.